0: We turn in God's inspired word this evening to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and we begin reading at verse 17. And from Miletus, he, that is the Apostle Paul, sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, But I have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more and they accompanied him unto the ship. I call your attention to verse 28 of Acts 20. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The admonition to which I call your attention is a parting admonition. To the elders. The instruction is meaningful to all of us, even though it's particularly addressed to the elders, because the calling given them is for the welfare of the flock. This congregation concerns all of you all of us who have been purchased with Christ's precious blood. He has given us these elders to watch over us, to protect us, to guide us Lead us in the paths of righteousness and in the way of God's comforting truth. The apostle was returning from his third missionary journey. He had come to Miletus He didn't have time to go to Ephesus, but he called the elders of the church at Ephesus to come see him, sent a messenger calling them to him because these were elders with whom he had labored for some three years in Ephesus. the apostle was aware of the fact that he was going to Jerusalem. He didn't know what awaited him there, but he knew what awaited him was affliction, persecution. And he also knew that he would not return to Ephesus. He wouldn't see these men again. So for the sake of the church that he loved, he would speak to them. And as we consider the exhortation that he gave them, the admonition, I want you to notice two things by way of introduction. In the first place, you notice that he began his words to them by recounting his own labors. He had given his life for the church at Ephesus. For that period of time, God had given him there. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears, and temptations which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews. He continues, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. That was no boast by the apostle. The reason he recounted that was because he knew that the admonition that he had to give the elders was weighty and demanding and he would not lay any burden upon them that he himself had not carried. And so I stand and bring this work. You have to bear with my weakness. I have labored in the offices in the office with you men and many others in the congregation who have served. And I bring you the same weighty admonition, as did the Apostle, to the elders in Ephesus. In the second place, I call your attention by way of introduction to the fact that this exhortation was given to the elders, not just to the minister. In fact, we don't even know if the church at Ephesus was being served by a pastor at that time. Ephesus was blessed with faithful ministers. At different times, the Apostle John served the church there Timothy, Apollos, as well as Paul. But at the moment, she appeared to be without a minister, without a pastor. If she had a pastor, he was numbered with the elders. But the apostle gave this admonition particularly to the elders whose calling is very carefully and clearly spelled out in Scripture in distinction from the calling of the minister. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. overseers, to feed the church of God. So, we have here the party admonition. We consider the meaning, the fulfillment, and the importance. As we consider the meaning of this admonition to the elders, it's necessary that we notice several elements of the text in the light of other passages of Holy Scripture. So first of all, you notice that the apostle refers to the congregation at Ephesus as a flock. Again and again in the Bible, the church is called the flock. God's people, sheep. And there are many elements connected with that figure, and we've had occasion to consider them at different times. But on the foreground here is the fact that a flock is in constant need of guidance, direction, leadership, protection. Without the care of a shepherd, a flock would soon be destroyed. The attacks of wolves, other predators, or it would destroy itself by its foolish action. You and I know that as sheep, we sometimes get ourselves in some very bad situations because of our own foolishness and sin. It's not uncommon that a sheep falls into the pit and has to receive help from the hand of the shepherd and perhaps the shepherd's staff to be pulled out of that pit. Furthermore, in the next verse, the apostle speaks of that danger faced by the church in every age For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. We have experienced that. And so God, in love for his flock, has ordained and appointed elders to care for that flock. It's the elders in particular who are the shepherds, the overseers of that flock. That brings me to the second element of this text, namely God calls the elders overseers. We know that In the Bible elsewhere, you are referred to as elders. The Apostle ordained elders in every city. The Apostle Peter refers to them as elders in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 3. That word elder refers to the dignity of the office doesn't mean that an elder must be elderly. It's not a requirement of the office. In fact, Paul in his letter to Timothy shows otherwise. But just as we teach our children to honor the elderly saints in God's church, so we are to esteem those whom God has called and ordained as elders in his church. In fact, Paul emphasizes that in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, where he says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And because an elder is liable to come under attack due to the prominence of his office and the hatred of the enemy toward God and his word, Paul also writes, Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. In the words of Acts 20, verse 28, however, Paul speaks of the elders as overseers. Overseers. This is a word commonly used in the New Testament to describe the office. It's often translated bishop, such as in 1 Timothy 3. But the idea of an overseer is exactly as the word reads. He's one who sees or watches over others. And the word includes not only the idea of watching over, but taking an active role in leading the church. It has the idea in it of looking over, Caring for, taking charge, it's used with respect to inspection, investigation, visitation. It it includes also the idea of serving as a protector. All those things included in that concept of an overseer. And these overseers, let's notice, are appointed to their place by the Holy Spirit. We're not told details as to how the elders in Ephesus were appointed to their offices. We may assume that the congregation there had a part in their installation, perhaps very much in the same way that the original deacons were appointed to their office according to Acts chapter 6. Many places in the book of Acts we are give an indication of the participation of the congregation in that process. But no matter the participation of the congregation in the process, let's understand that it is the Holy Spirit who leads the congregation in the appointment of these elders. They've been ordained by God. Same with our deacons, Ordained by God. And brothers, you must receive your offices in that confidence too, knowing that the Spirit who has called you also qualifies you in all things pertaining to your office. In the third place, concerning the meaning of the admonition, you elders are given the calling by God to take heed to the flock and to feed the church of God. In other words, you are to serve as pastors to the flock. That's literally the meaning of the admonition. You are to take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, serving as shepherds to them. You don't hold political office. You're not representatives of the people. You're representatives of God among the people. The flock doesn't commission the shepherds. Christ himself charges you with this calling. And graces you with the authority which is his authority. So you're his servant. And as his servants, you must serve the flock, which is his flock. And although I intend to explain that rule momentarily in my second point, let it be understood that this admonition is the calling to rule with wisdom and prudence, executing the will of God in love for all the flock. Finally, in this connection, this is the calling of all the elders. You realize there are, as we read in the form of ordination, there are two kinds of elders in the church. Let me refer to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Once again, this time I'll read the entire verse. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. All elders are overseers, shepherds to the church of God. But according to Paul's letter to Timothy, there are some shepherds who rule by giving themselves to the teaching of the word of God. When God again provides us, another pastor, his rule will be exercised in a particular way. That is, Christ will rule by him through the word preached and through his teaching as a minister of the word and sacrament. Your rule is exercised in a different way. You are overseers who have the oversight of this church and every member thereof in a particular way. You are especially charged to care for the flock as a whole, watching each sheep individually, providing for their spiritual care the fulfillment of this admonition is carried out in a particular manner. The text tells you, elders, that you are to take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. You know that I have emphasized that. The importance of that. Taking heed to yourselves especially considering the satanic attacks that we face on the front lines of the battlefield. We ourselves must follow the chief shepherd wherever he leads. Under shepherds, whether pastors or elders, are not lords over God's heritage. We are mere servants of Christ. And therefore, we are bound to regard His will and hit to follow His life as our example. Perhaps taking heed to ourselves needs to be emphasized in connection with the fact that in the final analysis, it is Christ who rules His church through His Word. His rule is the rule of faith and life through the Word of the Scriptures. The elders must always come with the Word of God. That Word of God has to be in your hearts. You have no other, other authority. No other power than the Word of the Scriptures. And that means this Word has to have the place of primacy in your life. To take heed means to to turn your mind, your attention, intensively towards something. Every elder is called to pay close attention to himself, to his own spiritual life. The same is true of you deacons. Because yours also is the ministry of the Word in a particular setting. So you must find your total dependence upon God himself in the word of God and through the spirit of Christ. God has given each of you men different gifts. In the consistory room, as you realize, we have to recognize that in each other. One man may have more of a gift of of speaking, more of a gift of teaching in a catechism classroom, than another. Another may be more gifted in dealing with the trials of an individual sheep. You must continue to recognize those gifts in one another and work together for the edification of the flock. But when the apostle says, take heed to yourselves, you are called by that admonition to develop those gifts that he has given you, and particularly to develop in the knowledge of God's inspired words so that you will be equipped as shepherds to the flock where God has given you oversight. And that means as well that you take heed to yourselves as a body, as a consistory, encouraging one another, strengthening one another so that as a body, you continue to work together for the salvation of these brothers and sisters and children that we love. But then, The text speaks not simply of taking heed to yourselves, but to all the flock. And the implication of this admonition for one thing is that you are to know the flock. Some wrongfully make themselves difficult to know. Some hide things that they should bring to you for help. And they have to be admonished as opportunity arises in the preaching but but also by their fellow believers, friends who know their needs. They have to be admonished to seek the help of the elders whom God has provided for their care. But this admonition as it comes to you, the elders of Christ church here, your calling is to know the flock, to know the individual needs as well as the needs of the flock as a whole, because your responsibility is over all the flock, each and every one. And that's why the Apostle Paul mentions also to these elders I went from house to house in your midst. I got in your house and visited you. I got to know you. You told me your needs. I ministered unto you. In the particular situation and in the face of that particular sin with which you were struggling, that particular trial in your life, that's what you elders must do. In the years of my ministry here, my records show well over 2,000 pastoral visits. Pastoral visits and counseling sessions. That doesn't include family visitation. You can add another 400 plus there. Now you elders have to take up a lot of that work, at least until God provides us another pastor whose age doesn't hinder him from that workload. But that's also the importance of regular family visitation. And that was a ma- it was a matter of obedience to this very Word of God that the practice of family visitation began in the Reformed church. That practice is essential to your care for the flock. Those visits enable you to apply the Word of God to the needs of the sheep. And then with respect to your care of the flock, your calling is to feed them. And again, notice the inspired apostle does not emphasize this as the calling of the minister of the word. Certainly that is his calling. But while the minister of the word is to bring the word primarily from the pulpit and in the catechism classroom, Your calling is to feed the flock on a more individual basis. Feed them with the Word. That might not be necessarily what they want to hear. But it's the Scriptures that points out the way of salvation. This Word is the spiritual food For the souls of God's people, this is what will nourish the church here. Don't bring the word of man. Don't bring human philosophy. Don't bring secular psychology. Bring them the word of God. In those cases where medicine is fitting for the body and counseling by a godly counselor is fitting for the mind, your calling is still to bring the word of God with particular application for the soul. Bring it with boldness, knowing its power. Bring it with humility, knowing that you are but instruments in God's hands, dependent Entirely upon the application of that word by the Holy Spirit. But bring the word. For comfort, for instruction, for admonition, for reproof. Christ feeds his flock by his word. And beloved people of God... It is your calling to seek that from your elders in your trials. To shun the help of the elders whom God has given for your spiritual care is to shun God himself. a very bad misconception of the office. If all you think about when you think about the office of elder is that they're those who exercise discipline. They're shepherds to guide you, to care for you. Use physicians when necessary. Undergo surgery when you must for the welfare of your body. Use even counselors, godly, biblical counselors, if necessary. And the elders will be humble enough to tell you if you need that and will even make recommendation for you. But receive the spiritual care God gives you in the office of your overseer. God has given you gifted men to serve you. How I have grieved over some of the things they have had to bear. But with unceasing care for this flock, And to the spiritual welfare of this congregation, they have labored. The hours that the two elders who leave their office tonight have given to you as a congregation the amount of time and prayer, and care, it's beyond measure. And that's been true of those who have served through all the years of my ministry here. Receive them and the word that they bring. Pray for them. Thank God for them. Now let me be a little more specific about the way in which you elders must take heed to the flock. First of all, the the work of the ruling elder is to be involved in all labors which are preventative to any necessary but grievous labors of Christian discipline. The work of an elder is not confined to discipline work. You must seek constantly to edify the body of Christ. And to that end, you have to have an eye of inspection and care over the members of the flock. Primary to all spiritual stability and peace in the congregation is the maintenance of faithful preaching. And that means from a practical point of view that that the ruling elders must be faithful in their calling, not only to sit with discernment in the oversight of the preaching, but also to take care of the needs of the congregation in such a way that the minister whom God will give us has the necessary time to continue in that faithful preaching. Furthermore, it's the duty of the elders to sustain and encourage the minister in the faithful exercise of his office and to defend him in his faithfulness. That's not to say that they must defend their fellow servant in everything he might do, whether right or wrong. But when he shows himself faithful and diligent to his calling, the elders should feel it their duty to stand by him, to shield him from the arrows of the attackers, to encourage him in his faithful obedience to Christ and, and his boldness in preaching. That with respect to your oversight of the preaching. But to take heed to the flock also requires many specific labors in the midst of the congregation. The elders are called, for example, to watch over the children and youth of the church with fatherly vigilance, speaking with them, addressing them on occasion. That's also the importance of visiting the catechism classroom not merely to examine the contents of the instruction, that's all right, necessary too, but especially to observe the children of the covenant and to get to know them. Elders are to provide to the youth of the church spiritual guidance and counsel, which means, of course, that parents are also to encourage a relationship of their children and young people to the elders that's holding the elders in esteem. The elders must be involved with sheep who are sick, who are bearing heavy burdens, lonely, brokenhearted. You understand that when God sends adversities upon His sheep, a great danger is that Satan comes and uses their adversity as an occasion to bring them into despair. To cause them to become dissatisfied with God and His ways. Perhaps even to throw them into bitterness against the Lord. To walk in sin. The devil knows how to do that. And therefore you elders must be watchful for such things. And along with the deacons, the elders too have the calling to visit the shut-ins, to bring comfortable words of Scripture. You must bring the Word of God addressed specially to the needs at hand. But then there's also this. You members of the sheepfold, must also bring your needs to the attention of the elders. How can the elders do their work when they're not contacted about the needs? In taking heed to the flock, the elders must also feed the church of God in such a way that His people thrive in the midst of the church, edify one another, in the bond of holiness. That's to encourage the people of God. Also in the use of the gifts that God has given them, we must use our gifts for the welfare of the flock. This taking heed to the flock also requires of the elders that they safeguard the sheepfold. And that's to get into that work that is most unpleasant. You have to see to it that sin does not take root. You have to see to it that unrighteousness is not covered up or given a kind face, but that it's exposed as sin against God and rooted out. In short, yes, you have to exercise Christian discipline that God's glory be maintained in the midst of his people and his people protected. So the apostle writes, I call attention again to verses 29 and 30, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples' after them. That's bound to happen. We lived so many years without having to face that. And then suddenly, we were thrust right into it. but we have to expect that. And especially in these last days. That's the life of the church on this earth. Satan has her under attack. And that's true not just with the schism that we've faced, That's also true with a multitude of sins that come to expression in the church. Diligently labor to bring sinners to repentance. To build up the downtrodden, to to comfort those who despair. But if they show themselves wolves, hard-hearted in their rebellion. They show themselves as those who speak perverse things, who bring shame to the church of Jesus Christ, who would draw away disciples after them in their rebellion against God. Do not tolerate them but for a moment. Do everything necessary in accordance with the calling God gives you to protect this flock. That's the calling of faithful elders. To those whom God has called to the office of elder as well as to those who will take their places in the future, I say be faithful. Carry on the work. Hold steadfastly to the truth. Seek the glory of the Holy One of Israel, the Savior of His people. Maintain His righteous standards. And although some might show that they are not of us, and although there may be those to their everlasting destruction who make your labors grievous, Nevertheless, God will use you to the blessing of his church, showing you faithful, blessing your obedience. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. The importance of this admonition is expressed in the last words of the text. This flock is part of that one church which Christ has purchased with His own blood. This is God's church. This congregation belongs to Christ. With great price He bought her His own precious blood, redeeming her from destruction, from sin and death. And for this church, these sheep, the Son of God endured all the penalty of our guilt, endured the wrath of God against our sin, suffered the agonies of hell, How precious is this little flock to him. You elders are also members of this flock, as am I. But with a special calling. How amazing is the grace by which Christ has saved us, his people. Now God has charged you, take care of the flock. Take care of these sheep, they are mine. Rejoice in those labors knowing that He is with you. And this is how He will bless and save His church in this congregation. So do so in that confidence. He says, I have called you by my Spirit. I have equipped you So I give you this parting word from God. Amen. Gracious Father, be with these men as they labor in the offices to which Thou hast called them. Provide for them. Especially in the absence of a pastor to labor with them. Grant that we, as members of this flock, uphold them in our prayers, esteem them for the calling Thou hast given them, and submit ourselves to them, recognizing that they must give account to Thee. And Father, provide for us the man of Thy choosing, faithfully to take up the labors of the ministry here. For thy name's sake, we make this petition in Jesus' name. Amen.